0: Hello, and welcome to the season one finale of the Triumph of the Cross podcast. My name is Gus, and I will be your host today. Uh, before we get started, just kind of my standard warning, uh, I'll be talking about same-sex attraction today, and uh, this episode is going to be a lot about the last 12 months or so my life and there have been a few incidents um, that have happened and they haven't been so great. So just want to give you a heads up, there is a little bit of violence in this episode just so you're aware of that um, on top of the standard warning I've been giving. So with that, let's get right into the episode. All right, so this is actually my fourth or fifth time recording this episode, and uh, it's been quite long, and uh, I keep going back and forth on which details I want to share, so hopefully this is my final cut. Uh, so today's episode is going to talk, uh, go through kind of the last, uh, say, 15 months, 16 months of my life. Um. So I want to start with just a a quick story of something that happened last summer that kind of set this uh, whole last year into like into the trajectory that it's taken. Um. So as I've said before, I have spent a lot of time, unfortunately, on a lot of these hookup apps, and uh, it's it's not it's not a great place to be. Uh. And, you know, when I'm on the apps, I, I talk to people from all over, all over the place. And, uh, one of the guys that I had been talking to, uh, for actually probably a couple of years off and on, was uh, in Utah and, uh, I'm from the Midwest and that, and that's quite far away. And, in our conversations, you know, there was there was definitely like a a mutual attraction um, to each other. And there was just this um, idea that we would like to meet sometime, but uh, was highly unlikely that it was going to happen. And I talked to him off and on, you know, I went through my phases of deleting the app and getting it back. And, uh, You know, he was just one of those guys that didn't really phase him, you know, to see me disappear and come back. He didn't really care. He was just always excited uh, to talk to me again. And it happened that last summer, 2021, I was planning my annual camping trip. I don't know if I've talked about this yet on the podcast, but I usually take a week to go camping somewhere and i really like to go somewhere new and last summer i was trying to figure out what i was going to do i had i had been going west now uh for several years and i just i i love i love it out west i like going out through the rockies and i I just think that whole side of the country is just beautiful and there, there was one state on the continental United States I hadn't been to yet out that way, and that was Nevada. I had been everywhere else, um, pretty much west of the Mississippi except for Nevada. And so I decided I was going to go camping at Great Basin National Park, uh, which is right on like the Utah-Nevada border, oh, in the middle of nowhere. Anyways, uh, I realized that... know if i was going to drive from where i live to nevada i was going to be going straight through um salt lake city which is where this guy lived and i've been to salt lake city many times i love salt lake city and i I really love utah just in general and i was planning on the while planning this trip i planned on spending a couple days in salt lake and as I was making those plans, I thought to myself, you know, there's this guy out there that I've been talking to for a long time, and I, I I really attracted to him. And I wonder if I should let him know that I'm coming through town and plan something. Now, I I wasn't sure what I wanted to do. But every year when I do this trip, I I really like to go into it as a, a sort of a retreat. You know, I'm out there by myself and it's a good way to disconnect. And some years I, I have a really good trip and I'm able to make it a spiritual journey. And other years it falls apart at some points and I end up um, kind of succumbing to that loneliness. And I end up hooking up with somebody when I'm passing through a, a, a larger city but I really wanted this trip to be that spiritual journey. And so before leaving, I decided that I was not going to reach out to this guy and let him know that I was coming through. And I was really proud of myself for that decision. And uh, I'm gonna cut right to um, to kind of where this story really changes me so I was in Salt Lake City. I had I had driven there and taken me, you know, two days to get there. And on my second day there, it was a Sunday and I had gone to mass the night before. I had woken up early. I had gone um, hiking out in the mountains. Um, um, I um, uh, can't remember what it's called, but south of south of the the metro out by i think it's by american fork um timpanogos uh so i had been hiking out there and early in the morning and it was just really gorgeous and i, I had a great morning and then when i got back up into salt lake and took a shower and all that i just started to feel really just this crushing weight like you know, I'm not a stranger to travel and to being by myself and being in a, a big city that's not my own. Um, but I really had this crushing feeling of the loneliness and being so far from home and from my friends. And just this feeling of smallness and insignificance, which I like usually. But this in this instance, it felt more oppressive. And I... I was able to recognize that that was a bad place for me to be in and if I didn't do something to snap out of it, I was likely on like day three of my trip to um, go hook up. And so I I told myself, Gus, you got to get out of here. And so I left my hotel and I decided I was going to go to Park City. Uh, Park City is a kind of like a resort town up in the mountains about 30 minutes from Salt Lake and it's kind of kitschy there's lots of shops and food and and really it's it's just it's just kind of a fun kitschy place to be and I'd been there uh, once before and I really liked it and it'd been I don't know close to I don't know close to 10 years so, anyways, I get out there, and um, turns out there's like this music festival with a beer garden and lots of food trucks around, and it was like just a really, a really good vibe, a good atmosphere, and I was really enjoying myself. And I was hopping in and out of shops, picked up some shot glasses. Um, I'm, a, I'm a shot glass collector, and uh, yeah, so I. I'm having a great time. My my mood, my spirit has has lifted up, and I'm I'm, I'm getting to where the beer garden is, and I, I I'm kind of perusing these food trucks, and I, it's lunchtime. I'm getting hungry, and I see there's one that has lamb euros, and I am a sucker for lamb euros. I I love lamb euros. There was one year when I when I was doing this camping trip, and I was up in Canada, and um. I was I was traveling across all of the the Prairie province provinces and over to uh, British Columbia and I don't know what it was I didn't I didn't realize that Canada was such a uh, Euro central but uh, there were so many places I stopped that had lamb euros on that trip and I just had to get one every time but that is not really part of the story so. I'm, I'm ordering my lamb gyro and as I'm waiting for it to be, um, ready. I look over to my left and, uh, I I can still see it so vividly in my mind. I look over and I, I catch the glimpse of somebody that I feel like I know. And, you know, I think we've all been there before where we see somebody and we're like, I feel like I know that person. And so that's what happened to me. And so. Uh, I look back again and it hits me. It's that guy. It's the guy I'd been talking to on Grinder for a couple of years that I, I had wanted to meet. And then before I left, I decided I wasn't even going to tell him that I was in town. He's sitting there 10, 15 feet from me at a table eating with, um, some of his friends and their kids and i immediately like freaked out interiorly because salt lake city is a a very large metro like there's millions of people um who who live in the metro and just the odds of me being unintentionally running into this guy this one person that i quote unquote, no, from from Utah was just it seemed astronomical to me. So I, I got my food and I hightailed it out of there, I did not want to be seen. But I, I immediately became overwhelmed and um, really struggled to maintain my resolve as I thought about, you know, just all the ideas of all the things that could happen, um, went through my mind. And I I went to that place where there was this attractive guy that there was a mutual attraction and we, we wanted to do stuff together. And I had decided not to but now it felt like some force was putting him right there to tempt me. And it was extremely tempting. And so uh, I gave up my resolve. And uh, I went around the block. And I kept walking past him hoping to catch his eye. And I didn't end up catching his eye. But um, after a couple of times walking, he got up and he left. And I, I took that in that moment as a kind of like a Relief. Okay, maybe this is. Maybe this will pass, and I can I can move on. But so I left too. I was like, you know, what probably just best to go to Salt Lake City. I've got a long drive tomorrow. I should just go and and forget that this happened. But long drive back down the mountain mountains. And um, by the time I had gotten back to my hotel, I decided I was going to download the app. I was going to look for him. And if I could find him, I was going to tell him that I had seen him and um, suggest that we, we meet up for a hookup. So long story short, he was like, yep, that was me and we should meet tonight and whatever. And he ended up standing me up. Huge blessing. But the rest of the trip was, uh, was real up and down with you know, being a, a, a spiritual experience and being like desolation. Like when I was in, when I got to Great Basin, I was, you know, kind of cut off from social media and all that. And I was able to really be prayerful. Um, but as soon as I came back to, you know, kind of a civilization, um, I just was bombarded with these, this desire to, just kind of go hog wild. And that's what I did. Um, I I did end up making some uh, unfortunate choices, um, going through Colorado. And by the time I got back home, you know, I had a lot of driving and a lot of time to just really dwell on my thoughts and my fears and my insecurities and my frustrations and my struggles. And i had decided that i was going to leave the catholic church and that by leaving i was just going to do whatever the hell i wanted if i felt like hooking up seven times a day with seven people every day of the week that was what i was going to do if i felt like i was wanted to be in a relationship that was what i was going to do if i wanted to not be catholic and not do any hookups or any relationship and just be celibate that was what i was going to do but I was kind of done with with Catholicism, but um I was just on such a roller coaster um even when I got back that you know within a week I had I had changed my mind again, and I just really got into this unstable place kind of spiritually, and i I I can't blame it on anything, but uh, I mean, the pandemic certainly didn't help. Uh, I had been looking for a new job now for almost a year and a half, and I had really struggled with that. I had been you know, repeatedly bombing on all these interviews I had been on, and I just, I wanted to get away from where I was living, and I just really wanted to kind of start a new life, and so I was just in this really really bad space frustrating space um emotionally and mentally and so this this uh situation kind of really set that um into motion and about a month and a half after that uh incident i did end up getting a new job and i moved to a new state and a new town small town and for the most part, with the exception of a uh, a hookup my first week after moving, I really wanted this to be a new start for me. And, um, you know, I was in a fresh place where I didn't have the baggage that I had had, I had lived in my been in my previous job for 10 years. And so I, I had a lot of baggage with a lot of the um, the, the kind of the secret double life I had been living, you know, I'd always been nervous that I was going to run into somebody I had slept with. And uh, they were going to, you know, publicly kind of out me in front of my friends, even though my friends knew I was gay, they didn't know I was sleeping around. But now I lived in a new place where that wasn't really going to be an issue. And so while I did continue on The apps, uh, I really uh, didn't hook up for a long time. And um, some of the things that were running through my mind at this time were, well, one, there wasn't a lot of people around. I, I lived in a much smaller place. And so for the first time, hookups just weren't as practical. They weren't as easy to come by. It would have taken a lot more work to go hook up. Um, but also, uh, I, I was beginning to contemplate at at a certain point that, you know, maybe I could find a way to be in a romantic type relationship that didn't involve sex. And that maybe that could be, um, a thing that would, um, maybe fulfill some of what I was, was yearning for, uh, while maintaining my uh, commitment to my faith and i might talk about that more in depth next season because there is a story that goes along with it but it doesn't really advance this episode so i'm going to skip it for now so um i moved in september of 2021 And I'm going to skip to June of 2022 now. So I had kind of given up on this idea of a non-sexual romantic relationship with a man. And uh, in the late winter, early spring, I I bought a house. And um, just to summarize, homeownership really sucked my first several months and uh, it my my anxiety got out of control. And I was very much in a pit of despair for for a lot of that period of time. And I might talk about that more too in future seasons. Um, so by the time summer started to roll around, I was just fried, my mind was fried, my emotions were fried. And um I I remember the first weekend of June, I finally was able to breathe for a second. But and when, when I when I was able to take that step back, I just I realized how lonely I was and just how how stressed I really was. And that realization kind of triggered these old pathways that I had built in my in my my behavior pathways, I guess. And so I kind of did what I I've done in the past. I started to seek um, some hookups. So I was I was kind of suddenly desperate for a hookup. In one way, it just really came out of, of nowhere, where I just, um, you know, it was just, it was just there, even though it was kind of obvious why it was it was showing up, it just showed up. And it was it was a Saturday and I just became so desperate for that hookup that I just turned on Grinder and I got in my car. And I just started driving. I started driving in the direction of the next biggest city. And I live in a small town. And there's a bigger city about an hour from me. And I just started driving there. And my, my intention was that the first cute guy that messages me and asks if I want to come over, I'm going to go over and, and hook up. And uh, I was surprised at how not long that took. I didn't even make it like three miles out of town. Uh, and there was a, there's another small town not too far from me. And I got a message from the guy. He was he was attractive. And he asked if I wanted to come over and I said, yeah. And um, then that's when things Obviously, there's a reason I'm telling the story. So, after I responded that I was, I wanted to come over. He asked what how I'd feel about if there was a third person there, and um, I said that would be fine. Uh, I didn't mind that at all, but I didn't know anybody uh, that could be there anytime soon. And he said that was okay because it would be his boyfriend, and um, that kind of surprised me. Uh, but it was it was OK with me. So uh, I, I went over there, but pretty much well, before I even got there, I got another message from uh, somebody who seemed like they're about the same distance away as this guy. And he asked me if I was um, talking to that other guy. And I was like, well, I am. But what's it to you? And he was like, well, I'm his boyfriend. What has he told you? And I should have immediately taken that as a red flag. Uh, but again, I was in this place where I just was, uh, I was looking for something that would really fulfill me or I thought would fulfill me. So I, I started to ignore the flags and all I could think about was how much, how fun this could be if it was, um, if everybody was on board. But it's very obvious to me that not everybody was on board. Um, at the beginning, uh, it, it really turns out that this guy who asked me over, it, you know, hadn't told his, his boyfriend that he was planning this. And so right from the beginning, there, it was just really awkward. And it, it was kind of clear that uh, not everybody was comfortable with me being there. But all I could think about was that potential delight that potential pleasure that I could get from the situation if I just waited it out and so uh we started drinking and playing drinking games and everybody started to to kind of loosen up and and just be a little more comfortable with with the situation and uh I didn't. I didn't drink a lot, and uh, but I started to feel more out of it than than I normally would um, with how much I, I drank. And uh, at a at a certain point, maybe about eleven o'clock or so, I blacked out. And I, I look back now, and and I I realize that I was I was most likely slipped something in one of my my drinks. Um, when I look back at the whole story and everything that happened, um, I just I can't come up with any other explanation than that one of them slipped something into my drink. So I blacked out. And when I came to, uh, I was not at the kitchen table anymore. When I came to, I was lying. I was lying in a bed um, with somebody on top of me. And I know that nothing had happened yet to me. But I have no doubt that something was going to happen to me if I had not um, come to. And but when I when I did come to, I, I was extremely nauseous. I was, ex- I, I, I was so sick, which, again, like I didn't drink that much. Um, but I was able to make a case uh, for me to be able to get out of bed, I, you know, I was ready to throw up. And uh, I, I was aware enough to know that nobody for whatever we were going to do, or whatever people wanted to have happen, getting thrown up on during whatever that was going to be was not ideal. So uh, I, I told them just, I just need to get up and go to the bathroom. Uh, and get this out of me, and then we can proceed with whatever whatever we're gonna do. And so they uh, let me up, and I went to the bathroom, and I was sitting on the bathroom floor, you know, felt like college again, sitting on the bathroom floor, head over the toilet, and um, as I'm sitting there, one of the guys comes in to check to see if I'm okay. Um, and then, uh, I said, yeah, I just need a minute. And he, he walked out and the next thing I know, I hear this thud against the wall and I look up and the guy that I had had invited me over had was sliding down the wall to the floor and, uh, I started hearing yelling and it took me a moment to realize what was happening, but it turns out that his boyfriend, the one who didn't really want me there had was under the impression that when he came to check on me, we had started fooling around and um, he had picked up his boyfriend and thrown him across the room into the wall. And even though I was intoxicated, drugged up, whatever, uh, I came into as sharp as focus as one can come in that state. And I realized that um, I was in significant danger. Uh, This guy had totally gone batshit crazy and oh, i'm sorry i shouldn't have said that uh, he picked up his a, a full-grown man and thrown him across the room and then he he came out of the bedroom and then grabbed his boyfriend by the hair and started dragging him around the house while like hitting him and screaming at him about bringing a random guy into their bed and i knew in that moment that i was that random guy and that this violence was happening because of me. And that made me a target. And I was terrified in that moment. And I mumbled something like, you know, I I mumbled something about, please stop, like, this doesn't have to be this way, you know, like, I wasn't there to, to ruin anybody's relationships or whatever i was there so that we could all have a good time and nobody would have to do anything nobody didn't want to do like there's no reason for for what was what was going on in this moment but they thankfully for that you know moment became so focused on each other and harming each other that Uh, they kind of forgot about me for a second. And so I got up and unfortunately, I wasn't wearing anything. Um, But I was I managed to find enough of my clothes to be decent. And I managed to find my phone, my wallet and my keys. And I just got the heck out of there. Like I as I was leaving, they were throwing things at each other, screaming, beating the crap out of each other. And I was able to, by my guardian angel's protection, get out of that house. And uh, I ended up sleeping in my car that night because I was way too out of it to to go home. And um, the next day, I got I got an apology from them. They they messaged me and apologized for their behavior. But are you listening? I have I honestly when I look back, I can't even I can't comprehend what I was thinking, what what was going through my mind, because even though I had witnessed this incredible act of domestic violence, the honestly, the first time I'd ever been an eyewitness to domestic violence. I I still was in such a place that I I wanted that physical pleasure so bad and I thought that they were so attractive that I didn't even care about what I had witnessed. I wanted to go back. I just I, I told them like I I'd already forgotten the, the feelings that I had felt while they were the the feelings of fear I had felt that I said. Guys, can we try this again? Maybe without alcohol. Maybe without violence. Um, and sadly, I kept talking to them for several weeks. I never went back, but uh, I can't even. I can't even explain the the mental state that I was in to even entertain that. entertain going back and continuing to talk to them so uh in the weeks after that and i as i kept talking to them but kind of wound it down um i i was going pretty hardcore on the apps i I was in a place again where I was really contemplating abandoning my faith. And even in this moment, I, I can't even really remember really what was going through Gus's mind. Like, I can't understand where I was at and why I was there. I don't know if it was the stress I had been through in the spring with my house. But For some reason, I still thought this was like a good idea. I felt so helpless, so lost, so hopeless. Um, I just, I don't know, I just couldn't stop. I just felt like I was trapped in this cycle of hooking up and whatever. Uh, But around the beginning of July Oh, there was this guy that uh, showed up on the app and I'm just going to call him Ben. Ben is what I'm going to call him. And uh, I had, I, I reached out to Ben uh, when I saw his profile just to say, Hey, and he didn't have a a picture of his face on his profile, but he had a picture of his dog and it was like this uh, like yellow lab and the dog was kind of cute and you know it's just whatever kind of mood I was in that day that just really was like I'm gonna say hi to this this person who has this cute dog and he sent me his picture and um he was pretty good looking and so I started talking to him and uh you know he was he was a really nice guy he didn't like a lot of the other guys on the app he didn't start with sex he uh he was more about getting to know somebody first a little bit like having a halfway normal conversation and for some reason that resonated with me that day and it didn't really take me long to realize that like Ben's really nice and he's the kind of guy that I could um, have uh, an experience with, but then not feel the need to run out the door when that's done. Like, I could actually spend time hanging out with him in a non sexual way. And so we started talking more and, uh, usually on the apps, you get to a point where you you ask somebody, you know, what are you looking for from from this app? And, uh, you know, most of the time, it's a hookup, maybe like a, a friend with benefits type thing. Um, but he he was looking for um, a relationship. And for whatever reason, that sounded good to me. And I said, you know, I don't know exactly what I'm looking for. But I'm not ruling out looking for a relationship. But you have to know um, that my longest relationship was six weeks, and it was with a woman. And and he had already revealed to me that his longest relationship was um, a two year relationship with another guy. And I said, my relationship was a long, long, long time ago and so um lately you know i've been just kind of living this this crazy double life where i'm you know i'm, I'm hooking up I'm, I'm racking up lots of partners but i'm not really happy with it and i'm you know people know i'm i'm gay but they don't really know a lot about what i how i, how I behave but if if you can look past that, I'm, um, I'm looking to make changes in my life. And if, if you're, if you're willing to be patient with me, um, I would, I would like to pursue what you're looking for with you. And uh, it's the first time that I'd ever even gone to that, that place. And then he told me that that was that was cool. And that was not anything that was a deal breaker for him. And I in that moment that he told me that I felt just kind of this wave of relief go over me. I felt like somebody on the app actually cared about me kind of for the first time and saw me as more than a piece of meat and um, saw that I had potential. And that's not really something you find on the app. And um, nobody had treated me like that. And honestly, I had never treated anybody else like that. So we started talking a lot more. And I got to the point pretty quickly where I, I, I lost interest in, in anybody except for Ben. And I lost interest in the idea of, of hooking up. And I told Ben I I'm ready to delete this app. Whether we work out or not, like I'm done with with Grinder. It's it's gross. It's sad and it's a pathetic place. And I don't want to be here anymore. But if if you're serious about um, wanting to to go deeper with me. Um, Why don't you shoot me a text message? And I gave him my number and it's not something that I typically do um, on the app. So this was kind of like a big step for me. And so we started texting uh, outside of Grindr and um, things developed rather rapidly. And um, we, we decided, like in our conversations, like it it became very clear that we were going down this road of of a relationship, you know, he doesn't live he didn't live in my town, he lived about an hour from me. And um, it felt like to me that we were starting a long distance relationship, we were talking about, you know, exclusivity, um, talking about making our plans for our date, not just a first date, but many dates. And um, kind of like working out like how to see each other um, while living, you know, not in the same town. And so I, I was really happy, I was really psyched about this. And I actually had very very little fear, not no fear, but very little fear about what I was going to lose by, by continuing down this road. I was, I, I knew that some people would not not like this decision. I didn't know how they might react to it, what their response would be um, towards our friendship, mine and their friendships. But I knew that with Ben at my side, and Ben in my life, and and being my, my partner, that I would be able to, to deal with it, because I would have somebody to deal with it with me. But I also knew that I was going to be having to give up my faith. And there's people who say that, who would say that that's an awful place to be put in, that one should be able to do whatever they want to be happy without having to give up their faith. But even when I was in the middle of making that choice to give up my faith, I didn't, I didn't feel that like frustration or that I didn't feel like it was unfair and I expressed that I had people tell me that it, it, it just it shouldn't have to be that way. But the reality is, is I think Chesterton said it and I'm, I'm paraphrasing, but any faith that um, doesn't have requirements and doesn't expect more out of somebody isn't a faith worth shit really i I, that's not how Chesterton put it but you know if catholicism is about doing whatever you want then why even be catholic to begin with you know and so same with any religion like you know every religion has a moral guide you don't have to like what the moral guide is but If you don't follow the moral guide, then you're not really following the religion. If your religion is just a label you smack on yourself, then what the hell is the point of the label? So anyways, that's not what why I'm telling this part of the story. But I felt okay about leaving Catholicism because I was making a choice that didn't jibe with Catholicism, whether you agree with that or not. It didn't jibe and therefore I was like, then this isn't the place for me. So whatever. So anyways, I was in a place where I was I was ready to let go of of pretty much everything in my life because I felt like I had found somebody who would be there for me through that. So I, I don't really know even where to go into the next part of the story, but we me and Ben planned to plan a date to go get some Dairy Queen, some um, lizards. And as the Monday that our date was going to be, I was going to drive to his town after work and we were going to get ice cream and whatever. Um, he, he texted me during the day and told me that he was having a really rough day at work and he was in a really bad mood and um, that he wanted to make sure our first date was super amazing. And he uh, just didn't think that he would make a very good first impression with what a foul mood he was in. And he asked if we could postpone till Friday. And I agreed, I was really sad. Um, but I, I agreed I, I wanted it to be good too. And if I even though I knew that, you know, at some point I would see his bad moods and he would see mine, I didn't want that to be the first thing, you know. So I agreed. And then on Thursday night he texted me and he said that um his sister had called and his nephew had a soccer game out of town and was begging for his Uncle Ben to come and um to watch. And he asked if it'd be okay if we postponed again. And I said, yeah, because I'm an uncle too. And I just know what it would mean to me if my niece or nephew asked for Uncle Gus to come watch them or or do something um, that they're proud of. And just being able to build that, that memory um, with a niece or nephew. Especially when you don't have your own kids. Like, I wanted that for Ben and I wanted that for Ben's nephew. So then we postponed till, so that was, our day was supposed to be Friday and we decided to postpone it again until Monday. Well, Monday rolls around and Ben texts me to say he tested positive for COVID and he would need to isolate for five days. Obviously, I don't want to get COVID, so I I agreed that, well, I guess we're going to have our date on Saturday. And you know what? Saturday is the day of the county fair, so why don't we go um, meet up at the county fair and just kind of hang out at the county fair together. So if you might be able to see where this is going, but... This continued for several weeks, where the day before um, Ben would cancel our dates, And the next cancellation was grandpa died. And then the next cancellation was car accident. And for those of those people who are not who who are looking from the outside and it's pretty obvious what's going on but i i'd already made a decision to leave everything to, to put everything on the line for for this pursuit of happiness and so i i'd already sacrificed or put so much on the altar of this potential relationship that i I couldn't see or didn't want to see that this guy was a shyster that he was making all this up that something fishy was going on I so desperately wanted this cute guy who I was falling in love with I wanted him to be to be on the up and up and so through every cancellation and every lie all I could think about was like feeling bad that um so, like when he told me his grandpa died, my my heart was hurt so much for Ben, and even though I knew we we would need to cancel our date, all I wanted was to to go to him, and you know, I told him, "Let me come to you i i'm not going to try any funny business, but I just I want to take you out for a beer, and I want you to tell me all about your amazing grandfather, and i I just I want to hear about him." And I just want to support you. And I, I want to love you through this. And he, he wouldn't let me do it. And the same thing happened with this car accident. And it's just, it's so stupid that uh, yeah, I was just in a in a place where I was so desperate for, for whatever this was that I, I couldn't see what was going on. But Eventually, uh, I he uh, after one of our reschedules after the car accident, um, I, I was starting to distrust him and uh, really became overwhelmed by this the feeling that he was never gonna meet me. And so I prayed, even though I was in a place where I was ready to leave my faith behind, I prayed and uh, I asked God to, um, I basically I I wasn't strong enough to to walk away from Ben on my own. I needed Ben to walk away from me. Because I knew if I walked away without being sure that he was not on the up and up, I would always be left wondering if I made the right decision. So I I asked God in prayer, I said, please just have him cancel on me again and let him walk away so the morning before our date was supposed to happen uh we we did our usual morning hellos you know a text of you know how how's it going today and um very rapidly the conversation he, he took the conversation into a weird direction where he he, he made this comment, and I, I won't tell you why this comment came up, but that it would be really awesome if we were in an open relationship. Now, we had talked about being exclusive. We had talked about how much cheating sucks and hurts and is terrible. And so you can only imagine my kind of shock when he asks to be in an open relationship, when we've only been... You know, talking about being faithful to each other. You know, and so I, I, I couldn't quite understand where this was coming from, but I just was honest and I said, you know, I've wasted a lot of my life, a lot, a lot of my time. You know, just racking up partners, and I'm not in a place right now where I want. Like I'm, I'm past the point in my life where sharing is sound is is appealing. I don't want to share my boyfriend and I don't want my boyfriend to share me. And, um, his response was a sad emoji. (laughs) You just ask the person that you're trying to plan your life with. If you can have an open relationship, they give a serious, heartfelt answer about why they don't want that. And your response is an emoji. And then he followed that up with, can we still be friends? And in that moment, I had forgotten about my prayer. I was just so astounded that within 20 seconds, I went from being what I thought was in a, a long distance relationship with this guy to being friend zoned, all because I didn't want to sleep around anymore. Or It was it was so devastating for me. And, you know, I, I told him I, I wasn't sure if I could just be friends with him if I even wanted to be friends with him. And, you know, I, I just told him that I was really confused about what was going on. And he told me that he just wasn't he was he was thinking about it. And he's really happy being single. He's enjoying being single. And he's not looking to change that right now. And so I just kind of left it as that and we, we went our separate ways. And I, I knew that God had answered my prayer, I like think it was very obvious. but I was so angry. I was so upset. You know, I, I prayed for her, but I didn't really want it to happen. And um, after that, I, I really, really slipped into to anger and despair. And i spent weeks just all i could think about still was ben and um wondering if he would change his mind and i eventually got to the point after a couple weeks maybe three or four weeks where uh, all i was thinking about was ben and i just wanted him in my life and i decided that it didn't matter if he just wanted to be friends i if we were gonna be friends, we were just gonna be friends. That was that was okay. I just needed a guy like Ben in my life. You know, one of the things I didn't mention yet about Ben was that, you know, we we shared a lot of common interests, and, you know, early on, he had he had revealed that he's he's a conservative. Now, that probably doesn't mean a lot to you guys, and I don't really consider myself a. Like a, I'm not a, I'm not a trumper or anything like that, but I'm not woke. I'm not liberal. I don't believe in killing babies. I, I, I'm not a liberal. Like I, I can't even, I can't even hold my nose and walk in that direction. And um, believe it or not, it's very hard to find somebody who's not totally enslaved to this bizarro social experiment in the LGBT community. So, when you find a, a conservative gay guy, um, it's pretty rare. And so I I wanted him in my life, and I realized that even if he wasn't going to be in a relationship, he's the kind of guy I want to still hang out with. So I messaged Ben again after about three weeks of not talking, and I I just kind of put that out there I was like you know what I I really missed you and I'm okay being just your friend and um I suggested that we just hang out and go out for beers no no funny business I just I just want to spend some time with you and so we planned to hang out and I, I thought you know what maybe this all was was real maybe he was just blowing me off because he he didn't want to get serious and he just didn't know how to tell me that. But now that we're just friends, things will be will be better and we'll actually spend time with each other and maybe not going to get my hopes up, but maybe he'll he'll realize that I, I am worth dating. Um, But it was the same crap, just a different day. He kept blowing me off. And uh, I realized I, I was able to see the red flags more clearly this time around. And I realized that there was indeed something fishy and I didn't know what it was. I didn't know if he was, you know, the pictures he had sent weren't of him. Maybe they were old pictures and he had gained a lot of COVID weight or something. Or maybe um, he was married or in a relationship or not out of the closet. I don't know. But for some reason, it wasn't just about something came up. It was we can't meet. I don't want to meet you. Like that's, that's what it was really going on. He, he, there was something preventing him from wanting to meet me in person. And so some of his excuses and stories got so outlandish that it, it became obvious. And I don't know if he was purposefully trying to get rid of me, um, because he didn't want to meet and I just wasn't really giving up yet. Um, but I did get to the point where I distrusted him so much that I wanted to walk away, but I couldn't walk away without knowing the truth. And I knew that if I confronted him, he would just, you know, maybe ghost me, cut me off. And I didn't want that. I wanted, I wanted to know the truth and I wasn't going to get it straight from him. So I started trying to do some detective work. And I eventually reverse traced his phone number. I, I realized this is the only way I'm gonna even get close to finding out what this guy's identity is. And so I reversed the number. I paid to to have it reversed. And um, I got a report on the number. And his name wasn't, the, the owner of the phone wasn't Ben. And so I, I looked up the guy on Facebook. And um, sure enough, it, it wasn't, it wasn't the guy who'd been sending me pictures. like it wasn't the pictures didn't match but i knew it was the right person because i saw on his friends list like when you first open facebook there's like six friends you see um i, I saw some faces that were familiar and they were other guys i had seen on grinder so i knew this was the right guy if he was friends with other people in the area who were on Grindr. and so i started looking through his pictures and his profile and i was like wow, this is just this is the guy I've been talking to. And uh, then I looked through his friends list. I was like, we got these pictures from somewhere that he's been sending me. And um, I started looking through his friends list to see if anybody popped out. And very surprisingly, there was a guy named Ben on his friends list. And it was it was the picture it was his pictures were the pictures I've been sent. And so I looked at this other Ben's profile, and he was um, married, had kids, and doesn't live anywhere near here. So kind of the perfect person to take your pictures from. And I was mortified. And so to kind of like wrap this up, because I'm running out of recording time on this segment, is that I... I confronted the guy I said I've I've been suspicious for a while and today I was able to verify your identity it's such-and-such and and I know that you've been stealing your friend Ben's pictures off of his Facebook and other social media and passing them off as your own and I I think you're a terrible person for doing that you're putting your friend at risk and uh, please never talk to me again so uh, I then had to Message the real Ben and in his wife and let them know what was going on, and it was um, humiliating. So, um, yeah. So I I cut that off, and the next that was the beginning of October, like a month ago, and. Honestly, it's, it's been a little weird since then, you know, to go from all these stages of I'm in a long distance relationship with this person. I get friend zoned. I miss him. I now I'm just his friend. I I want him back in my life To He doesn't even exist. I've talked to a couple of my friends about what happened. And I'm realizing that this isn't just something you walk away from. Unscarred. You know, it's not about it's not like losing a game of pinochle or poker or whatever you choose to play. This really dug deep down into my heart. I um kind of fell in love with the guy. And my heart is broken. And the sucky part, there's a lot of sucky parts to this. But you know, it's not like um, it's not like a breakup with a real person whose identity you, you actually knew. There's no there's no reconciling. There's no. There's no. There's no closure, really. In in the same sense that you might get from a, a, a or your, your tip, you could get from your typical breakup. Because there's no guy. There's just a con artist out there. You know, there's a guy out there who never cared about me. For whatever reason he thought it was fun to do it. He you know, he never got money out of me. He never met me. He, he he I don't know what he got out of this, but uh he doesn't care and he never did. So like you I'll never get the satisfaction of like seeing him sad or or whatever it is. You know, it's just there's certain components to what happened that's um yeah. So realizing that uh, there's this there's this wound that was given that just is really hard to um to heal because I have this image in my head of of who Ben is and there is a guy out there named Ben who looks like this and but he's he's never met me and he has a whole life and he was dragged into this and um against his will so that kind of sucks but i don't want to end this part of my story on such a low note because you know what it was a wake up for me you know i uh i've been spiraling all summer and uh i realized that i kind of went through a, a lot of shit like the 10 years that i've been um kind of living this double life have um, been building to this moment. And uh, I, I, I can't predict the future, but I'm very hopeful that uh, I'm entering a new phase of my handling of this cross. In this moment, I am back on track. I am, um, I've been to confession, I'm, I'm going to mass regularly again. I I didn't really stop going to mass entirely during the summer, but I I skipped a lot of mass. And, uh, you know, I'm back in the rhythm of my, my prayer. And I think one of the things I'm, I'm really starting to understand, and, you know, it's one of those things that you that everybody kind of, every Christian has is kind of like a piece of knowledge, but maybe it doesn't, isn't real in their heart, is that I can't do it on my own. You know, white knuckling through it and thinking that if I'm just strong enough to do it, I can, I can overcome my cross and I, I can carry it that's not how it works. Only God can carry this cross for me. And only God is going to fulfill me. And I know that there's a lot of people out there right now who, you know, don't understand that, especially in the LGBT community and they they're thinking even though they they can see what I've been through and how detrimental and harmful it's been, they still are going to tell me that I'm just a repressed idiot. But throughout my life, since becoming a Catholic, God has continued to show himself to me repeatedly. And I don't know why I keep straying when he has been so good to me and uh I think everybody encounters Christ differently in the sense that like he speaks to them in ways that are just for them when it comes to like soul to soul the soul of Christ and the soul of the the person and for me he speaks to me in in little ways specifically in timing um in my life god has impeccable timing and um especially when others intervene i have a lot of experiences where um it almost feels like the person is semi-bilocating in the fact that like i'll be doing something and then i'll get a text from somebody about that thing and it's usually when i'm struggling like i'll be about to do something that i know is not right and they'll text me about that Um, not specifics like they're clairvoyant or whatever i think i'm mixing up spiritual words now but i think you know what i what i'm what i'm trying to say is that yeah god speaks to me in in the little moments and in, in impeccable timing so anyways that is my my story and um, yeah the there is one more little part to my Ben story uh, that I would I, I do want to share and I'm not proud of it. I'm not not proud of it but when I when I got the report on who the phone number belonged to, um, the report is more than just a name. It comes with an address. Gus, 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 you're saying, no, don't go down that road. Don't go down that road. Don't take that address and do anything with it. Well, too late. So in the report was an address as well as former residences. And, you know, I was really stung, really hurt. And, uh, I wanted to do a stakeout. Now, I never intended to confront him. I just needed to to see him. You know, it still wasn't real to me because I had in my head what Ben looked like and who he was. And to find out that that's not what he looked like or who he was or, or anything, it's just really hard to wrap my head around like that that's real. You know, it's it's it was kind of like a death, you know? Anybody who's lost somebody knows that in the kind of in the aftermath you might experience that you you can't even wrap your head around that the person is actually dead, that you will not see them again on in this life. And so I I just kind of needed to to realize that Ben is dead. Ben doesn't exist. So I went and did a stakeout, and while I was staking out, I I wrote I wrote a letter to the guy, and uh, I was just going to leave it in his mailbox. So, you know, after watching and waiting and I didn't, he didn't come out or anything like that, I, I went up to the apartment building, and I went into the entryway where the mailboxes were. And when I looked, the, the apartment number that he was supposed to live in didn't match his name. And I realized that the address wasn't current and so I thought that was it but last week I got an email updating me Uh, so apparently when you do a search you can get updates for anytime their information changes and I got an updated address and uh, even though I had felt like I had made some progress and was kind of moving on like kind of reopened that wound and uh, I just couldn't help myself. So a couple days ago, I went and uh, did a stakeout. And I was very confident this time in that this was the right location. Uh, Just the style of townhome really matched like the pictures of his dog and some other things that hadn't been pictures of him that I had seen. So I was pretty sure it's where he lived. And uh, I wrote him a new letter. And uh, I left that at his door. And now I feel like I have as much closure as I can get with this situation. And now I can I can move on to a healthier space. so there you have it that is the end of season one um i thank you for listening uh to this very very long story that took many months to get through and uh i applaud your patience in getting here i don't know if it was even worth telling i don't know if it was worth listening to um I don't know if it, if it helps anybody, um, but uh, I, I'm glad if you listened all the way through that you at least maybe found something. And I'm very appreciative uh, that you listened. So if for some reason you actually liked this, please subscribe, share, um, like, whatever, whatever you do um, to this podcast. So, what's the deal with the future? So, uh, I may be taking a little bit of time off from the podcast, uh, but I, I think my plan is to start the first week of Advent with Season 2. Now, obviously, my story has been told, but um, so for Season 2, what I'm going to do is have this podcast be a little more topical. So, it's going to focus on my cross of same, same, same sex attraction or that cross, Um, but it's going to be a little more, I don't know, talking about specific topics relating to it and the faith. And uh, hopefully that will also translate and inspire into whatever cross you're carrying, because let's be honest, I'm not the only guy with a cross. And even though my cross feels very at times to deal with. Your cross isn't any less than my cross. You know, we we all struggle we all struggle deeply and we all have wounds and we all have imperfections and we all have tendencies to go astray from what we were created for. And that's how I like to look at it. Like, it's not about, it's not about the fact that it's it's not about we all have a tendency to disobey God. Yes, we do. But our tendency is deeper than that. It's not about disobeying God. It's about a tendency to stray from what we were made for. We were made for communion with God. And in this life, we have this physical body, which tells us a lot about what we were made for. And so for me, it's very clear in my cross that um, you know my body is made in a specific way and I desire and I struggle um, to deviate from that plan. And we all do that. We all have some way in which we, we deviate from what we were created for. Um, and so As this podcast evolves into seasons beyond this, uh, I hope that as the cross triumphs in my life, and it is continuing to triumph, it's not something that happened once, and it's not something that happened this week as I gained closure. It's, It's an ongoing process as Christ triumphs over with his cross. I hope that I can inspire you to let Jesus triumph in your life, that his cross will triumph over all the things you struggle with and uh, continue to bring you closer and closer to that peace that he wants to give you and that perfection that the Father wants for you and that communion uh, that, that God has made you for. God loves you so much and He made you to be with him and he made you for himself and he gives himself to you. And the cross is how we do that that cross is how we become reconciled. it's how we become stronger and it, it it's, it's it's how we become more holy. And so that's what I that's what I'm praying for you guys um, as, as we move forward. So again, thank you. Thank you for listening. I'll be praying for you guys and for for all of my future listeners, if if anybody wants to come and listen. And uh, I hope you have a blessed Thanksgiving. And uh, I, I will see you as we kick off Advent.